the latest Instagram hoax, Apple's new credit card, and an exciting and informative interview with Lauren Ruiz. Welcome to Working Girl Talk. Welcome back to Working Girl Talk. Today is a super exciting episode with a very special guest, Lauren Ruiz. But first, let's talk about the news you need to know before we get in the interview. First up, the Instagram hoax of the week. If you've been on Instagram the last week, you may have seen a post shared talking about Instagram being able to use pictures, private messages, anything on the platform in quotes, in court cases, in litigation against you. But if you reshared the post, which is what was happening, you were fine. The post itself has a few typos. It's very vague. This post and even similar ones have made their way around the gram before, but it's not real. The versions of the hoax first began spreading on Instagram and Facebook in 2012, when the two social networks first made adjustments to their terms of service. At the time, people were worried the changes would allow the companies to do anything they wanted with their users' content. But this time, it fooled a lot of celebrities, followed by a lot of people. Wired even said that tens of millions fell for it. Some of the celebrities that reposted the hoax, the hoax post, were Rob Lowe, Usher, Rita Wilson, Julia Roberts, Taraji Henson, 2 Chains, and Adriana Lima, according to TMZ, and plenty more after that. Stephanie Otway, a spokesperson for Facebook, which owns Instagram, told The Verge, there is no truth to this post. So we're good, guys. You don't need to worry about resharing this. So if you see it, don't worry about reposting it because it's not real. And just keep an eye out for stuff like this when it happens again, because typically it's not true. Instagram will definitely release a public statement if something like this would ever happen if they did have some big news to share with us so don't worry about reposting this next up our second and last story because i want to make sure we get to lauren's interview today this week apple announced the launch of its highly anticipated new credit card apple card customers in the u.s will be able to apply for the apple credit card through the wallet app in the iphone then immediately begin using it through apple pay before the actual card arrives in the mail as reported by tech Crunch. TechCrunch also noted that the card is powered by Goldman Sachs and MasterCard and will work both as a traditional credit card and through Apple Pay anywhere that MasterCard is accepted. Instead of points, the Apple Card doles out cash back for purchases and it especially incentivizes users to choose Apple Pay, which offers 2% back instead of just 1% for non-Apple Pay purchases. There's an app that goes along with the card, which is designed to help the card be more transparent about interests and fees and also a drawing factor to this. They say information about the user's charges and interest are clearly displayed in the app and Apple is really touting the privacy benefits of its card as another advantage. Apple won't know where a user has shopped, it says, and Goldman Sachs won't share or sell data to third parties for marketing purposes, the company says. But If you're interested in the Apple card, make sure to be careful with it. After the initial reports were released about it launching, more reports came flooding in about the guide Apple released on how to care for your titanium Apple card. CNN said the guide warns customers that some fabrics such as leather and denim could cause permanent discoloration to the Apple card and that the damage will not wash off. Apple also advises against placing the card in a wallet slot that already has different credit cards so it doesn't get scratched 
and the company says customers should not store their Apple Card in a pocket or a bag or anywhere with around loose change, keys, or other potentially abrasive objects. The card is fragile, and because of this, the tweets have been flooding in about it. So if you haven't checked out Twitter concerning the Apple Card, please do so because it's pretty funny. So that's it for our news this week. I wanted to keep it short and simple so we can get right into Lauren's interview. So next up, I'm so excited to share my interview with Lauren Ruiz. Lauren is a lawyer with a passion for small business and entrepreneurship. Through speaking engagements and as a mentor at the Foundress, she loves connecting with and inspiring business owners in every type of industry. After several years of drafting and negotiating multi-million dollar commercial contracts for a global corporation, which we talk about, she realized the current model for legal services was not serving the needs of small business owners in the Phoenix, Arizona community. This led her to create Guide My Business, a place where she provides a proactive approach to legal services with a monthly legal counsel and flat rate services to address the needs of businesses as they grow. In this episode, we talk about Lauren's inspiring story story of where she got today in starting her own legal business and what you need to know as a business owner. She provides so many awesome tips and insight. I'm so excited for you to hear it. Please enjoy my interview with Lauren. I'm so excited to have Lauren Ruiz on Working Girl Talk today. Lauren is a lawyer, a business owner, an entrepreneur. She attended the University of Arizona. That's where she got her law degree. She's also a mentor at The Foundress, which she's going to talk a little bit more about today. She's a guru on all things small business and entrepreneurship. Am I missing anything? I feel like that's a long list. You're welcome. That's great, actually. Awesome. Perfect. So welcome to the show, Lauren. So excited to have you. So we're going to go back in time a little bit today. So I kind of want to start with your experience getting into the law field um, leading up to your small business. And I'm sure we'll go throughout this a lot today, but kind of just that general, like, where did it start? How did we get to owning your own business? Yeah. So I always knew business was going to be the path that I was on. I applied to college going in for a finance degree. And I went to University of Arizona where uh, the Eller College of Management offers a entrepreneurship degree as well. So I applied for that, got into that program, and was really enjoying the entrepreneurship side of things. Uh, my parents own their small own small business, and I'd always seen that. Um, so when I was kind of wrapping up college, I thought I was going to go get a finance job. You know, that was my degree. This entrepreneurship thing was fun, but our team, though great, didn't have a you know viable idea. We weren't going to launch. Um, but I just wasn't passionate about going into finance. Mm-hmm. Um, during the entrepreneurship program, we did have mock legal counsel, which were third-year law students from next door, and that really piqued my interest. I was—I don't know if it's because I'm, you know, nosy at heart and like love to hear other people's business and be a sounding board and give ideas. Law definitely gives you a vehicle for that. <laughs> but also, I just really wanted to stay in the business world mm-hmm. with parents that were, you know, small business owners. I had seen that lifestyle modeled, and I thought eventually one day that's where I would end up. I didn't think it would be this soon, Mm -hmm. if I'm being completely honest, Um, but I decided to go to law school. And um, that was kind of a 
quick decision. I wanted to validate the decision, so I worked at a law firm Mm -hmm. during my senior year. So I had two majors. I was working at a law firm to make sure that what I was doing was the right decision, and I got in and just kind of jumped right into it. I Because I was trying to figure out where that was going to lead, I thought, well, maybe I'll do trust in estates, and I really enjoyed that. I volunteered with Wills for Heroes, which does wills and um, documents for first responders and their families, and I was like, I really like that. That's great. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm really helping people out. But at the end of the day, it just wasn't really the answer. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I just saw a lot of, you know, different aspects that just, I didn't feel like the creative side where you got to see kind of different features. At the end of the day, it was kind of same situation, you know, same situations, just trying to figure out, you know, where to put people's money. And I was Mm -hmm. like, not, not quite sold. So as I, you know, was in law school, I took all the business classes and I really enjoyed the negotiation business side of things um, and started to really focus on, well, what could I do in business? Um, they always tell you in law school, it's kind of like a general path. You're supposed to do law review. You're supposed to, you know, do a clerkship at the court and then you're supposed to go work for a law firm. Mm-hmm. And naturally, of course, I didn't do any of that. Instead, I did volunteering and I worked at the family court, the bankruptcy court, um, did Wills for Heroes and just found things that I was passionate about and then focused my studies on the business side. So by the time that we were applying for job, applying for internships our second year, I applied to work at Honeywell. So I actually never went to a firm. Okay. So I actually went in house mm-hmm. at Honeywell and I negotiated um, our service contracts and did merger and acquisitions there, which was an amazing experience. They kind of mm-hmm. throw you into the fire. I did an internship there, got to do quite a bit, and then they offered me a job going into my third year of law school. Mm-hmm. So I worked part time my third year of law school at Honeywell, kind of continuing my internship. So it was really nice. It took a kind of, you know, that concern of looking for the right job mm-hmm. off of my third year and I kind of knew where I was going um, I ended up staying at Honeywell for three years after that um, so it was it was a very unexpected path mm-hmm. but I just kind of kept true each kind of turning point mm-hmm. you know oh well I was going to do finance so I, I should go get a finance job and I was like I just that's not where I see this going and let's take a pivot and so I pivoted into you know law school and they tell you this is the path and I was like well I don't think that's my path so then I pivoted again and and stuck with business which is I think staying true to that and not trying to kind of go down the clerkship path or the different general law firm path Mm -hmm. is what probably opened up the door to working at Honeywell and and getting to work in a really great law department but it wasn't the general path and you know I think that worked out really well for me. That is so cool. Okay, wow. What a big <laughs> company, too. That, like, that's your first one right out of school. Yeah. Very cool. So it sounds like Honeywell was great. Like, what a great experience that is. So what kind of drove you to decide you wanted to start doing it? Like, you have your own thing. And, like, what did that look like? Did you get any pushback? Like, you're crazy or, like, anything like that? Yeah. So, like, how did that look? So it's funny because we're hitting, like, the year mark, like, right around this time. Mm-hmm. So I'm reflecting back. I've you know, I was talking with a friend last night to last year and you go, oh my gosh, this time last year, I was quitting my corporate job. Like I had a paycheck, like I knew every two weeks, like where the money was going to come from to pay the mortgage. And I was, you know, talking with my long-term boyfriend about, you know, what our next steps were. 
and he's a dentist here in town. He's an associate, so he works corporate too. And someday he'll own his own practice mm -hmm. and someday we'll have a family and kind of all of those some days that you add up and you like try to look at what the work-life balance you want is and what that's gonna be. Mm -hmm. And so those were kind of the weights of the decisions. I did really enjoy working at Honeywell. It's, an, it's a fantastic company to work for. And it was actually a very large female law department. So like, I think everyone above me when I first started Honeywell was a female, which was great. I mean, really great. Um, but at the end of the day, it's corporate. It's a different culture. So Guy My Business was born before I okay. left my corporate job. Was there a great foundation of plans laid? No, not necessarily. I was kind of in a position at Honeywell where everything, I was so busy. I, I really didn't have, I, what I was striving for was the work-life balance. I was missing all of, I would try to go to the gym. I'd miss, you know, the class that I scheduled. Um, I love to cook. I wasn't cooking dinner. We were grabbing every meal out and it just like my life felt, felt very unbalanced. And I started to reflect on where I wanted our life to be. I'm, I'm like such a planner mm -hmm. and Will is not, but um, I'm a planner enough for the both of us. And we both came from families that had their own business and we grew up where I could call my dad at any moment and he would answer the phone. Didn't mean that I would get to talk to him. Sometimes he'd be like, is everything okay? Great, I'll give you a call back. Mm -hmm. But I always had accessibility to my family and I really enjoyed it. And so when I started thinking like what I want my life to be, why did I go to law school? What am I passionate about? Mm -hmm. um, it really was to provide a more scalable lifestyle and an ability for me to actually work in the community. And so then you start playing the, well, when? When is the right time? So I had actually created Guide My Business, the name, and started an Instagram account. And if you scroll really far back, I really should delete those. If you scroll far back, you'll actually see um, a lot of stock images and, you know, just me kind of like probably wandering thoughts. I haven't even gone back and looked at the captions, really. <laughs> but I was just trying to put something out there. I think mm -hmm. it was had become an outlet. I wasn't doing any work for anyone. I didn't have, you know, I always knew that when I was ready to do it, I'd go out and I'd get malpractice insurance and I'd really get everything signed up. Mm -hmm. But I kind of just, I needed this like placeholder of something I was thinking I was going to do. Mm -hmm. We started talking about it this time last year and I was going to leave Honeywell, but it was what's next was still the question mark. Even though I had planted some seeds, um, I don't think I was like fully ready to just dive into my own business mm -hmm. and be my own source of income. So I had actually considered, you know, maybe I'll go in-house someplace else. Maybe a more, more local company, a smaller company. Maybe that'll give me the feel that I'm wanting. Uh, but then I started to think, what that was going to look like and you know the emails and the phone calls and the meetings and the manager and and I said do I still is that what I want to do do I want to just try this first you know I can always go back to another business if I've decided Honeywell's not no longer the place for me to grow mm -hmm. there's always someplace else am I willing to take the risk and just kind of jump into it on my on my own mm -hmm. at the same time I had a friend who had left her law job she had a very different path as well she never kind of did you know the planned you know go kind of the general path they kind of lay out for you in law school she had always kind of created her own path 
and she had started her own firm and I was seeing her success in that firm. I was seeing my friends' successes and their, the communities they were building through their small businesses and I was just kind of jealous, honestly. You know, um, here I was commuting to work for a job and I'd taken a, I had also taken a promotion I wasn't passionate. And you kind of look at your, like the timeline of how long am I going to endure this before the next opportunity? I think I'm just gonna create my own opportunity. Um, so I put my two weeks in, I worked up until the last moment Mm -hmm. and, you know, I took that very seriously that, you know, I needed to give them fair notice and I needed to complete and take everything off my plate. I walked out that day, went and got a massage. I think I binge watched (laughs) some Netflix. It was a Friday. Um, I had my weekend and then Mm -hmm. Monday morning I opened up my laptop and I was like, so how am I going to get a client? Mm Mm-hmm what is next yeah. and um, just trying to get out of my corporate bubble was really the what was next you mm-hmm. know everything comes from relationships and connections and so I knew that was kind of the first place to start mm-hmm. wow that is incredible <laughs> also you're great at storytelling like, well, that is so or just long <laughs> <laughs> no that you hit on so many important points that I think relate to so many other women too like the whole fact like work-life balance that you were like you made schedules to go to the gym and you couldn't fulfill like you didn't show up like I think so many people resonate with that mm-hmm. and the fact that like that is scary to just be like you know what if not now when like so many people so what do you think like why I mean I feel like there are so many factors that mm-hmm. helped you kind of make that moment like for somebody who is scared because I feel like a lot of people do think like what whether that path is like starting their own business or finding the right business to work for they are scared it's like oh, like if not now when but like I don't know there are a lot of reservations there like any like tips or advice on somebody like to kind of get over that hurdle to really find what they're passionate about I would say the biggest thing is having a support system so to be totally honest I didn't I didn't just like announce it on my personal Instagram <laughs> I didn't tell every friend over a glass of wine what I was doing it was a very personal decision because you know you're taking a big risk you you have to be aware of that um, but it, you have to have a support system to do it it's not always glamorous you know you think you're gonna leave your corporate job the nine-to-five and you're like oh I'll just you know set my own hours well, your own hours looks like 24 seven and you know, there's not a solid paycheck that comes in and we all have our responsibilities and those don't just stop when you have a new passion. Um, so I was really cognizant of that and I'm, I'm really not a risk taker. I think when I tell my story or like reflect back on it, people are like, Oh, do you always just make these spur of the moment, you know, decisions? And and I really don't. I think everything's rooted in where I want to go. Mm-hmm. And if something's not serving me anymore, you know, I just try to think of a solution to that. Mm-hmm. And so we actually had sat around at dinner, um, Will and I, and talked about what we wanted our future to look like and talked about how I was feeling at my current job. And... I, the conversation ended with me in tears. I was just frustrated and I didn't have any control over the situation. And I decided to kind of seek some control. What you need in order to make those decisions is, you know, someone that's there when it's not great. But it's more stressful than you think. The first two months I started my firm, I didn't make a dollar. It was really about getting out into the community and making connections, not handing someone a business card, not trying to sell my services, just getting out there and trying to find my place. 
in the community and try to determine how I wanted to run my practice and what I wanted it to be rooted in. Mm -hmm. And so when you're not making any money, you really realize how much you spend, you know, just groceries, like a dinner, a quick, you know, salad and the drive through Mm -hmm. that really starts to kind of be apparent. Um, but I had a good backstop. Will was willing to financially support me. Um, you know, I'm very do it yourself person and I refused to take a dollar until I got to the point where I was just stressed. And it, and he was like, you don't have to be stressed. You know, I'm here if you need anything. And honestly, he checked in on me more than I like asked for help. Mm -hmm. And then finally one day when he asked for help, I just said, yeah, you know, it would really help if, Mm -hmm. and so having someone and a financial plan is huge Um, as much as you want to just walk in there one day and tell them you know my regrets I'm quitting and you've lost it it sounds well and great but it's not the movies we all have a car payment (laughs) or something that we're responsible for so have have a plan have someone that in kind of on the sideline that's going to be there when it's not glamorous mm-hmm. um and I told my family and I told like one or two close friends and other than that I kept it like pretty quiet mm-hmm. because it you know it it was my decision and I really needed yeah. the chance to kind of like see it through without mm-hmm. having someone else's opinion like I didn't have I didn't want to rationalize yeah kind of my game plan to a friend of mine not that they would not have been supportive I'm sure all of them would have been and you know since I started opening up about it everyone was but I just needed it to be my thing I needed Mm -hmm. to kind of explore and kind of fumble a little bit on my own Mm -hmm. yeah I get away from those external voices and yeah I totally agree that's especially when it's like your business now too like you're gonna have to be more reliant on yourself yeah. But right off the gates, if you're too reliant on the opinions of others, does that right. make sense? Like, that's probably hard. And and I think also, you know, coming from corporate, right, we, you know, I think a lot of people, you know, that's kind of the lifestyle a lot of us live. Mm-hmm. But if you're having the feelings that you want to do something else, that this is not what you're passionate about, that you have a different path, it doesn't mean your friends will always understand. Mm-hmm. I think some of us are built that way and some of us stumble upon it. And some of us want the safety and the reliability of working for someone else. And that creates the work-life balance that they want. So there's no right or wrong answer. I've obviously shown that there's not one path, Mm -hmm. even when you're kind of in something that's as regulated and kind of traditional as law. Mm -hmm. Um, And you you just learn kind of while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then something you said jumped out at me when you said like the whole like, first two months like you didn't make a dime and that was just all about making connections because a lot of people when they're starting like their new business or their side hustle or whatever it may be I feel like connections is huge for whatever industry mm-hmm. you're in like how did you go about that like any insight to what other people can do to make those connections? well thank god we have like social media I think I just kind of got to the point where I was going and looking for different events mm-hmm. so, like and trying to tap into different circles too. I wasn't trying to stay remain like in one certain area because I just didn't know where like where I belonged. Right. You know, I needed to find a place where I belonged and I tried out a bunch of different things. We live in a city, you know, here in Phoenix where there's so many options for entrepreneurs or people who are thinking about starting their own business. Um, who have a side hustle. I mean, different times of the of the day, week, I mean weekends I mean whatever kind of floats your boats and so I was kind of doing a lot of them and I was testing out what I thought was going you know to be a good fit for me and you find certain groups don't you know aren't a good fit they they don't fit your 
kind of goals or your vision um or you just sometimes it's a personality match too you know you want to find people that are really going to foster growth Mm-hmm. and where the connections are going to feel very genuine. So for me, it wasn't a, a kind of a, a vehicle where I was going to be handing a business card out to someone, yeah. you know, and trying to follow up with them and remind them to refer to me. I just wanted to build a connection with someone and let my firm kind of let those connections and the kind of my initial clients really guide where it went. Mm-hmm. I had a general vision in mind. I wanted to make it approachable. I wanted to make it accessible. I wanted, I mean, I understand budgeting. I was bootstrapping my firm on a very tight budget, not really wanting to ask for any help. So I can definitely appreciate legal can be a big investment. And I wanted to make it something where someone knew that they had a resource that wasn't going to judge them for their question because, like, tip ask us the question when you think it's dumb before it becomes a problem mm-hmm. you know because we always think oh it's just little and it's fine and I can take care of it and it's really no big deal generally that's the best time to get someone involved when you can mm-hmm. kind of move past it mm-hmm. than letting it become this kind of overblown problem because you maybe kind of put it off mm-hmm. and so I wanted to f- encourage that kind of behavior I wanted to encourage conversation I wanted to encourage being proactive And I really didn't know how to do it. I I came from working in-house where I had basically a single client um, to having many clients. And how was I going to balance that? So you Mm -hmm. just, you know, it was about figuring out what people were concerned about, what was important to them, and how that fit into their lifestyle and Mm -hmm. their business goals. And then allowing that to kind of just form naturally. Mm-hmm. Which touches on exactly like a point I wanted to talk to you about. Because, and you said the word approachable, which which is exactly what I think of. Like, because like, I followed you for a long time. And it's so cool because I feel like no one, at least I don't see anyone else in like the law field using social media the way you do. So I'm always just like, oh, yes, I love this. Like, so <laughs> why was that important to you to like, kind of tailor your social media to that because I'm all about social so I gotta ask why was that important for you to kind of use your social platform as more of like an education empowerment type of platform rather than just like sale like call me do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I feel like if I do see any other thing in the law field it is more like that or non-existent at all right no and and I think that's so true honestly it probably came out of a place of just need because I didn't have this base. I, you know, I wasn't working at a firm where they just like had a book of business or people already calling. Um, I found it was gonna be a way to connect. Mm -hmm. Um, And since that's what I was really kind of like out there to do, it seemed like, well, that was what everyone else was doing. So like, maybe I should try. And again, I told you, if you scroll very far back in my social media account, you'll see a bunch of just like stock photos and kind of thoughts and captions. And I think they were just more general business. Like mm-hmm. I just was really trying to find my footing. Um, and what I was really encouraged to do after, you know, after kind of seeing others do it mm-hmm. was kind of get out there and like be vulnerable on the page and it's not something I love like I don't like if you go to my personal page it's like it's my dog it's my friend it's like (laughs) you will not see like a single picture of myself like Mm -hmm. I this was not a natural progression for me to Mm -hmm. be like oh I'm super comfortable in front of the camera or I'm going to do stories or lives and that was not kind of me so I just started to look at it as 
what would I say if someone was sitting on the other side of the table? Like, what would I want to put in a caption? What would I want to say in a story? Um, and how do I show up? Because mm-hmm. law can be a very scary thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is because I'm trained to do it. And, you know, mm-hmm. those are concepts that I've seen before and I can get, you know, my clients through it. Mm-hmm. And more than anything, they just want a support system. And so when you start looking at those themes, you say, I have to show up. You know, mm-hmm. if I don't show up, they don't know the person they're calling. I wouldn't, I wouldn't just call up like a lawyer and be like, Hey, can I tell you what I'm struggling with Mm -hmm. without feeling connected to them? So I just wanted to kind of bridge that gap. And I think social media has given us a really good opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. And in a very low cost way Mm -hmm. also for anyone thinking about starting it, like you don't even have to go to a website at the moment, you know, maybe just dabble on social, but I did have a complete kind of rebrand after I said, you know, I kind of let my clients and kind of the connections organically kind of grow my business. And so what I was seeing was that became such a big piece and people wanted to see more of that. And I wanted to kind of find an aesthetic that was comfortable for people. And that felt more me, you know? And so part of that was getting in front of the camera, doing photos, doing stories, um, creating a beautiful website. Mm-hmm. I used Walla Creative and they did a beautiful job and they just, they really tap into the language and how things are coming across. And I wanted it to feel conversational, mm-hmm. just like when they would sit down and talk with me. Mm-hmm. Which I think all of that is across all platforms. Like whether you're just somebody who's like a blogger or a business owner or a lawyer, a doctor, whoever, like if you are like taking the time to think about what your audience, your clients want from you, give them that. Like yeah. that's exa- that's like the recipe right there for success. Yeah, because everything else falls into place. Like the actual legal work or you know the problems that they're facing like it's more about feeling supported than anything Mm -hmm. that will all work itself out we'll get that all taken care of um but yeah I think all of us realize we all realize our like strengths and our weaknesses and you know we have to rely on others to fill in those gaps Mm -hmm. and you know be that support system for a different aspect of your business I do not pretend to understand you know, hashtags or captioning, like that was something I had to learn and I had to lean on people for that, where that was something that they were really, you know, skilled at, Mm -hmm. um, or accounting. I don't pretend to know those things. Yeah. I was a finance major, but let's tell it like using QuickBooks is like, they don't teach that in school (laughs) and they really should. They don't even teach that in an entrepreneurship major. Like we did financial modeling, like very different. So Mm -hmm. those items, like it's why the community is so important. It's yeah. not only about a way or a vehicle to get clients. It's to help you stay sane, mm-hmm. honestly. So you mentioned the like the whole approachable thing. Like that's your whole mission, which I love because legal. That's scary. That can be really intimidating because I don't know like when do I call them? Like how? Like I don't even know how that works. Is somebody like like the average person? So if I am a small business owner, when do I seek legal counsel? Like, what point in time is it all the time when, like, how does that relationship work? Whenever. It can range from before you start your LLC to something is going wrong to I've been running my business for a couple of years now and I'm really starting to realize, you know, some weaknesses and I'm ready to kind of invest Mm -hmm. and make some changes and get some advice. Um, There's no wrong answer at any time. So generally, like what the flow would be, for example, for me is a lot of people connect with me on social media or through my website. You can book a consultation from my website, 
we have a free consultation. I think that's fairly industry standard. I think most lawyers, you can sit down and have a general conversation about, you know, where you're at or what you're facing, and it allows them to assess if they can help you. Um, So always check though, not every consultation will be free. There are some lawyers that do charge. For me, that was a decision where it it has to be a good fit for both of us. It's a relationship. This is not one-sided. Just because you call me doesn't mean I can help you. That doesn't mean it's my strong suit. And so sometimes, you know, they may think, oh, the lawyer, she can help me with anything. Yeah, I've dabbled in a few different topics, but certain areas you're going to be much better placed with a colleague of mine that I can refer you to, etc. And I never wanted to charge someone for time where I, I wasn't actually going to be a resource. And so I always do initial consultations for free. It gives us a chance to meet, and I generally try to do them in person. Cool. I love that, that personal touch. Especially nowadays when a lot of people have side hustles or things that, like, it's in that gray area. Like, is it a business? Is it not like even like a podcast, a blog? Should people who have these like unconventional businesses, like a blog, let's say you have a blog, like you may be making money, you may be making like money sporadically or not even at all, but like, should you like make it an LLC, like an official business, like seek legal help at what point, if so? So I would say if you anticipate in the next five years making money, in that passion, side hustle, pursuit, whatever it might be, I would create an LLC today. You can create an LLC in Arizona and and don't believe the hype of like, oh, I need to go to Delaware or I need to go someplace else. If you live here in Arizona and your business will operate here locally, create an LLC with Arizona. It'll save your name and it'll create a separate entity other than yourself, which is gonna kind of remove the financial distinctions of business expenses. It'll allow you to go apply for a free EIN from the IRS, which will allow you to open up a business bank account and start tracking those expenses and start, you know, depositing money that you might be making. And don't feel bad if you are not at the point where you've monetized this side hustle and it's still kind of in an, it's an infancy. Still track those expenses. Still seek the protection of a limited liability company. Um, you don't need to go be it in a corporation. You don't, it doesn't need to be anything fancy, but think of a name that's important to you or think of a name that could be used as a shell, you know, company name later on because you can always go get a, tr- a trade name. So you can start with, you know, your name, you know, marketing services, what, you know, whatever it might be as an LLC. And then if you've created a brand or, you know, a trade name that you enjoy, Go to the Secretary of State office, and I believe it's like $10 for you to register your trade name. And then you would operate out to the public as that trade name, whatever kind of, you know, you maybe stumble upon later. So it doesn't all have to start day one. Like you don't have to have the perfect name picked out. But maybe pick a name that you feel like you can stick with. It's $50 to register. And now you have this separate entity. You can track your business expenses. You can go get a bank account. And you have the liability protection of a business. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so many great tips. Also, I feel like that is a hang-up for people. Like, anytime I've ever talked to people, it's like, oh, I don't really know the name. Like, which is, yeah. like, dumb, but that's always the hang-up. And, like, I feel that. Like, no shame. Like, that oh always gosh, is that the hang-up. that is me, too. I think when I was, like, trying to, when mine was, you know, kind of this passion project, you know, and I wasn't even pursuing it. Like I wasn't, I wasn't making money. Like 
when I first registered, I didn't make money for, I would say it was probably the first 11 months that I had my LLC. Mm-hmm. I didn't make a dime. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's $50 and what a good investment. And then, for example, if you are driving to networking or you do have a gig or whatever it might be that requires you to drive, you can write off your mileage. You can start to track that. There's an app for everything. Um, You can track all of that. And now, you know, that printer that you bought or the new laptop, because, you know, all of those that are business expenses, you can start to kind of keep a track of. And yeah, it might be your personal bank account funding those. And that's for a little bit. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally, the IRS says that if you don't make money, I would say it's either two out of the five or three out of the five years of you, a, a business, it's actually just a hobby. So at that point, you'll start to kind of run into the issues of, is this pursuit actually working out? Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, give yourself a chance. What's a common mistake you see business owners making? The funny thing is, so I'm sitting here trying to think of what the right answer for that would be. And there's not a common theme. You know, it's, there's not like one wrong thing we're all doing, mm-hmm. right? Because we're all different and we're all putting our efforts and focus into different aspects of our business and different businesses have so many different elements so what I would generally say kind of one I guess one sticking point that I would point out would be know what you're signing I think a big feature of my business it has been contract review Mm -hmm. and we're in because we live in a world where everything is governed by contracts Unfortunately, we live in a world where it's kind of a make-me culture. Um, you know, no one's going to do what they want, what they're supposed to do just because they want to. They're going to do it because you have some mechanism to enforce mm-hmm. your agreement. Um, so you'll see a lot of NDAs, vendor agreements, customer agreements, I mean, you name it, lease agreements. All of those items are very important. They have terms in there that you you might gloss over that you kind of don't see the full impact of or they may be lacking terms that could add additional protection and be putting your business at risk because they are silent on those issues. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting there and you're just signing contracts because you like the person and you kind of breeze through and you think it's fine, Mm -hmm. just sit down and, and, and and take a second to kind of reflect on it and be sure that you know exactly what you're signing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because these agreements, you know, generally, they don't govern the day-to-day. They govern the problems that we don't anticipate. Ooh, yeah. I could so see that happening. Which, there's so many, I feel like there's so many areas where contracts pop up now, too, that didn't even exist. Like, immediately, I think of, like, how sometimes small businesses, like, it's a restaurant, they want an influencer to come into like even situations that didn't exist like mm-hmm. now it's like somebody's just googling and copying pasting a contract to give to someone do you know what I mean yeah. like there's oh, a lot of that I see it all the time um <laughs> where you're like they gave you this con- well this doesn't fit it at all so mm. first off there there's always probably comments for a contract that's tailored to what you're doing mm-hmm. let alone where things are being pieced together because you know they just took this agreement and like you know, the services or the function has morphed so much, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's influencer agreements. They should be specifically drafted for the specific concerns. Mm -hmm. There's, I mean, just so many versions of an agreement that it's hard to say there's like a one size fits all, Mm -hmm. which is generally why I say like, I I have a problem with templates, Mm -hmm. buying a template online that might work 
you know, for one person may not serve your business. Um, and it may not serve your customers more than anything. I like to tell my clients that, you know, when they hand off an agreement, it should feel like a natural part of the process Mm -hmm. and it should be on brand with their company so that they are more willing to use it. They're more willing to hand it to customers. Um, the biggest thing I would say is if you're signing a contract from someone else, don't be afraid to push back. I think we're all kind of like, you don't want to upset anyone and you don't want to push any buttons and you think that they're going to be offended if, you know, they come back with comments. If you come back with comments on a specific item, that just shows that you're, they're getting into business with someone who pays attention. Mm -hmm. And I think most people would agree that that's a good feature to have in someone that you're going to be doing a business relationship with. Mm -hmm. I am not suggesting that you tear their document to pieces. (laughs) I'm just suggesting there's certain elements that you should be really mindful of and you should honor in your business Mm -hmm. and be empowered to go out and, and, you know, request those changes and collaborate because that's the time to do it. The concept of just sign it, we'll work those things out later, Mm -hmm. don't generally work out. Right. And then if you, because I'm just so unfamiliar, like I'm like eating this up. I'm unfamiliar with this at all. Like, so if you are a business owner and you kind of did just use a template and let's go with this, like this influencer example, is that like contract really legit actually? Yeah. Lawyer, okay. Yeah. So I'm not saying that at some point everyone doesn't go through the phase where maybe they just pull something because they need something mm-hmm. in the moment. But if you're going to use it over and over again, you need to think about investing something that fits your business because yeah. it can be very off-putting to clients when they read something and you're like, oh, well, that doesn't really apply right. here. Or, you know, where the language is maybe too too strong or mm-hmm. too weak. You know, you have to right. really stick up for yourself. I think a lot of people want to make it easy and sometimes they make it too easy. Oh, I want a one-page agreement. Mm-hmm. Well, you probably can't protect you or the customer because right. you have to remember the agreement is not only for you and to serve you, it's just also serve the other party. Mm-hmm. And so a one page agreement probably isn't serving anyone. What's the one thing you wish you knew before starting your business? How to handle scheduling. I think when we get comfortable in a corporate job, we kind of have those like day-to-day responsibilities, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of have that flow. And when you go off on your own, first off, you think like, oh, I'm never going to work. You know, like, (laughs) I don't know. We always have these like pipe dreams of like, oh, I'm going to work three days a week or right. Like I'm only going to work at these times. Right. Um, Know that you're going to be flexible and get comfortable with that because Mm -hmm. like sometimes I have done everything I'm supposed to do. And it's one o'clock in the afternoon and I do not know what to do with myself. Like I feel guilty. I'm like, well, can I look at my newsletter? Like what, what should I do? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's a lot of it's just building out a calendar that you're comfortable with where you know that all of your priorities are being met, that you're setting clear expectation with your clients, but it's okay to have downtime and it's okay to like turn the computer off. I think mm-hmm. sometimes when we first start, it's like overwhelming. It's like an all-consuming business and it doesn't have to be that way. You know, honor and serve why you did this. Mm-hmm. And so I said, mine was so that I can make it to the gym. Emails can wait, I'm gonna go to the gym. Or you know what, we're gonna make dinner tonight and it's like time to turn it off. I really do try to honor like normal business hours mm-hmm. unless it's an emergency and I really feel like I need to help a client out another thing I will say no texting 
I do not text clients and I know I want to be super approachable and I want to be there for them and I want it to be easy for them to connect with me. Yeah. But I also need to keep a record of our conversations. Ooh, very smart. I, I also need to have a a place that I can just talk to friends and family and I just felt like texting was that place where it wasn't serving my clients well I I couldn't you you can't like unread them you can't file them away Mm -hmm. and so it was this place where like I'm out running errands I'm meeting with a client and someone texts me now it's this other thing on the top of my head like okay okay that's on my to-do list like make sure I note that Mm -hmm. and if it but if it was in my inbox I get to it. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I think I would tell everyone to do is set expectations up front with your clients and honor them. Mm-hmm. I have like kind of a general text message I'll send to someone if they text me, you know, thank you so much for texting me. Can you please send this to me via email? And when I'm back at the office, I'll make sure I respond to your respond to your question. And that I actually got from Jenna Kutcher, who oh. I am obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Um but I was like, you know what? That's so true. Like, you know, I can be accessible in so many ways. I mean, I get every email just as quickly as I get every text. Right. You know, and I don't care that you don't, you don't need to write a formal email to me um, or anything. It can be your thought that you would put in a text message, but now I've got a record of it and I have totally. a place where I can put those reminders. I can, you know, really track those things. And so For if sure. that's something you want to do, honor it, put it in your contract, be upfront with clients and that's why you're doing it. And they'll respect you for it. Love that. All about that balance. I think that's like a theme of today, like creating that balance (laughs) for your life. Uh, So that was amazing. We're going to head into our rapid fire round as we end up. So heels or flats? Heels. After a long work day, I blank to wind down. Netflix. (laughs) Yes. We love Netflix. I am inspired by? My family, I would say. Favorite part of my job is working with clients in the community. Love. And best book, podcast, resource that you love that you want to share with everyone? I would say all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, find a handful of podcasts. I I would say podcasts. I have books sitting next to my bedside that I would really love to read. And for some reason, it just doesn't happen. (laughs) But I put podcasts on the car all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's so nice to hear input from more than like kind of one person. But it's just a must. It's like mix it up because Mm -hmm. like I get bored. One of my biggest things when I was at Honeywell, like my guilty pleasure, was how I built this. Love how I built this. That is was so good. It was so <laughs> fun and such a good outlet to hear how all the, the struggles of like all these companies that we just mm-hmm. think like probably had it all together and just yeah. to realize that they didn't. Yeah, I exactly. think that was that was that's my favorite. Um, and that is it. Thank you so much for being on Working Girl Talk. Oh my gosh, how was I it? That was it. It was great. <laughs> Amazing. So we did it. Um, Where can everyone find you and keep up with you and your business? So I'm on Instagram at Lauren Reese underscore GMB. Perfect. And uh, you can find me on my website and book a consultation or just, you know, shoot me a message at guidemybusiness.co. Other than that, no texting. So (laughs) email. Love it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lauren.
Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Lauren. You can follow her and her company at Lauren Ruiz underscore GMB on Instagram and make sure to check out her website, guidemybusiness.co. My Friday favorite today is, you guessed it, it's Lauren's business, Guide My Business. So make sure to check out her website. Her website is beautifully created so friendly and definitely check out her social media because I meant what I said on the podcast. She is doing social media right, especially in an industry that is not utilizing it that well. So her content is really inspiring, really helpful. So definitely check her out. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked today's episode, please leave a five-star review in the podcast app or wherever you're listening to ensure that Working Girl Talk keeps spreading to all the other working girls out there. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you next week.